The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Roto Fanatic version of a podcast, the Roto Fanatic podcast. We're going to check in with these roughly every week, give you the latest and greatest of all you need to know of what's going on with Roto Fanatic. Part of the Roto Fanatic podcast network. Two guys right here who run. Basically, the only two podcasts in the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network, the Plaza Podcast and the Turn Two Pod. Matt Williams, how's it going, man? How's Turn Two going? It's going pretty damn good. Going to get ready to go into a whole series, breaking down some uh, advanced analytics where people don't understand the cross uh, the cross difference between like hard hit percentage and hard percentage from Fangraphs to Savant. All stuff that confuses the heck out of people. I'm going to break it down and let everyone and explain to them step by step what you should use, what it does, what's the differences. Great. Yeah, I saw you're doing the uh, AL and NL kind of off-season updates with uh, Curlin and John L. from MLB Moving Averages. So that's great stuff, man. Always. I remember it seems so long ago, Matt, that I was on your show last year and you were doing the season uh, previews for each team. And that's the first time we kind of connected, man. That seems like a lifetime ago. Crazy. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the update shows were supposed to be a quick little like, you know, two minutes per team. Uh, just updating just what the transaction were. So naturally they were like two hours each. So, you know, <laughs> of course they were. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the whole crew's here, by the way, we got Paul Mamino and Carmarana. We got a rotofanatic foursome. This is a fearsome foursome, a defensive line that would be dominant in our heyday. If we were in our prime, which we no longer are. Uh, I think Paul we could probably... still get back the, uh, pest the chiefs. line personally. <laughs> Oh, that's a uh, fresh wound still. Not cool, dude. <laughs> Paul Mamino would probably anchor the line, though, wouldn't you? You'd be like the uh, Jason Pierre Paul. You're tall and kind of lanky. Isn't Broad he shoulder. missing a finger? Yeah, and Paul's missing a finger, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Leave some, leave some intrigue. You guys can guess which one it is, but uh, I don't I don't know if I'd uh, do too well on the football field. I've never put any pads on, so I don't know how well that would work out for me. You, you know that meme you're saying, Karma saying, get past the Chiefs offensive line? You ever see that meme of the uh, security guard they always use for when people are trying to like uh, get past someone? It's the security guard that's like barely patting someone down. Yes. They're like, oh, here's the, uh, the Bucks trying to get by the Chiefs offensive line, and he's like, <laughs> I don't know. He's supposed to be checking for sharp objects. He's like not even – I don't know. Look it up. It's very funny. I was scared there for a second. You said security guard, and I thought you were going to start talking about that security guard or the police officer from the 2013 ALCS with the Red Sox and the Tigers, where Tory Hunter barrels over the green monster mini wall. And Fun fact, I got, I got yelled at by that police officer in Boston. Um, hey! I, was go- I was going to a Sabre seminar in like 2017, and I drove down a place I wasn't supposed to, and he was the cop working on the corner, and he screamed at me. It so, was that uh, guy. It was that guy. No kidding. Wow. Cool. <laughs> much less much less fun looking when he's yelling at you versus when he's, you know, cheering for a home run. Well, he became quite the celebrity after that. Uh, yeah. I try to forget about that ALCS. But anyways, we're gonna break down some Rotofanatic stuff here on our Rotofanatic episode today. We have rankings galore. If you have not been to Rotofanatic.com recently, you are missing out because everybody on the site is providing rankings from all four of us. Mr. Doctor, Mike Carter. Davey Lou Funnel, we're all 
going to provide you with our opinions, and we constantly update these rankings, you know, about every week or so, or, or anytime we see fit. And we have a high-low series going on, which is great. We got the high man and the low man on a particular player. We're going through positions bit by bit. We started with catcher, making our way around the diamond. Uh, this week we have a high-low on Whit Merrifield, which was between Carm and Paul, right? Carm, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I love Whit Merrifield relative to everyone this year. I think everyone's really underestimating what he brings as a four-category fantasy player. I mean, everyone's kind of not believing the homers, but if he gets 700 plate appearances, he'll probably just run into 20, 20 homers eventually. So I think that he really presents um, a ceiling that he can reach more easily than other other fantasy folks. And, of course, Paul would take the opposite approach on that. Correct, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I just don't uh, – I think that the the high BABIP uh, seasons and the, the high average where you're expecting him to be, you know, up around 300 is kind of going down a little bit and moving back towards, you know, average. He's still going to be above average in the category, but I don't think the power is here to stay. I think it's going to be more, you know, 10 to 15 versus 15 to 20, and I think that's kind of more where my concern is. And he definitely still has, you know – 20 steel upside, but I think that the uh, the numbers are kind of coming back down to normal, and I think it's just going to kind of make him more of a, a mid-tier second baseman versus some of the uh, the more high upside guys that you might have, you know, that I have above him, the heroes and, and guys like that. There's no there's no track record to, to show why this would be a concern other than just everyone, but I think the concern with him is, uh, like Carm said, the, the safety net with him is how many at-bats he gets. But at his age, that's not. It's going to stop at some point, and he actually requires them for his production, which he's he's good for them, and he has been. But if that ever stops, he'll probably turn into dust pretty quick. But there's no reason to suggest he won't. My main issue with him would be um, if they are in fact dejuicing the ball. I make. I mean, he is the king of you know 304 foot home runs, so uh, he he could he would be a definite. Uh, he would be definitely hurt by that. We have no idea how that's actually going to work, though. So I don't know if it's it's silly to actually hurt, you know, hold that against people. DJ LeMahieu is really terrible for that, but he's in Yankee Stadium, so it's like different. But I mean, if you're making a list, Robbie Grossman's going to be hurt pretty bad. Um, Didi Gregorius, gonna hurt real bad. yeah, Didi Gregorius. There's a there's a few guys that are uh, in the danger zone. Do we, he took do it we right out of my mouth, man. Right out of my mouth, Matt. That's exactly what I was going to allude to when we went around the. The diamond here when you got oh. to you because I always think of Whit Merrifield when I think of you. He's just the number one player because I always think of how you ripped him last summer for the short porch home runs and like the expected <laughs> batting average on that that one home run. It I need to find the tweet. Carmen, do you remember the tweet by chance? I don't know if you ever saw it. He hit this one home run where it was literally like impossible. He had it on like eighty degree <laughs> launch angle, like two hundred and eleven feet. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know how this ball went. It was like literally he couldn't have hit it at more perfect. You know how they the thing with like the blast radius where you're yeah. the ideal launch angle. This right. is the most unideal of everything. <laughs> he, like the most perfect. It was it was perfect and whatever he if he, he you know whatever works for him. But yeah, if they're gonna screw with the too. ball, that ain't that ain't gonna be good for him. Right, I, I agree. They they're saying that homers are gonna be down around five percent next year, and that's not going to be weighted evenly. Guys like Merrifield, Didi. They'll probably take a little bit of a hit. But again, I'm really banking on Merrifield's longevity here. He's kind of like DeGrom from a hitter standpoint. Kind of got a late start. He is older, but he really has only been on the scene for, what, four years now? So I feel like there's more uh, more left in the tank. They got a sneaky lineup down there in Kansas City. It's yeah, not, not I, as like it. I like it. Like Detroit, not as crappy as you think. They're going to mm. sneak up on you, score well, some runs. Well, Detroit now has just made it so that it's impossible to actually – 
do absolutely anything and pick any of their players because they have seven guys to play each position. But that's yeah. well, it's good for them, not for fantasy, but for them. Oh, yeah, no. For them, they're going <laughs> to yeah. be pretty good. That sounds we like a good segue. Hey, if, no, if Mazzara can, maybe they can turn him into a nice little platoon guy, Mazzara. You never know. Good God. Well, look, we're going to talk about the Benintendi trade and stuff later on the show. We want to mention, of course, Davey Liu, one of our great writers and analysts at RoofAndApp.com. He does the weekly, The Week That Was. And this is a great little piece that you can check out every Monday. It comes out. Head on over to RoofAndApp.com. If there's something you didn't catch up on or something you missed, you feel like, oh, man, I'm just not in touch with what's going on and I need to be caught up, Dave will be there for you. And it's not just going to be like, surface stuff too we're going to give you some great pieces of information like chris archer was in the week that was he signed with the rays and then davy gives you a bunch of good stuff about archer that you need to know not just that he resigned but some of the good things you can look for or some of the negative things so make sure you check that out one thing i want to say about davy lou he finished seventh in tgfbi last year that's insane that hasn't been we should be screaming that from the rooftops like i had no idea i felt like an idiot read davy's stuff like you win TGFBI leagues by mining the news, and that's exactly what he's doing for you. So you should definitely be reading. You know, it's funny if any most people. I mean, there's guys like Ryan Bloomfield who are like really respectful and quiet, and they just kick ass in silence. But most people in this industry are not silent. They will rub it in your face. So Davey's one of the silent assassins. If most people, if you were that seventh, he would have like let people know, but nobody knows. So yeah, he's he's a sharp dude. Yeah, I agree 100%. I love Davey Lou. He's funny. He loves wrestling, too, by the way. He's a big Ultimate Warrior fan, in case you didn't know. Shout out to Davey. Barrel Board. Carm, you got the new Barrel Board. It made its debut, and it is now available on rotofanatic.com. What can we do with this Barrel Board? What can be of service to us for those looking to win our leagues in 2021? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a great tool for you to leverage during your draft prep coming up here. Um, What it really focuses on is... Uh, fastball barrel rate trend analysis. So we're looking at guys who have increased or decreased their barrel rate from 2018 to 2019, 2020 combined, because 2020 is too small of a sample to analyze by itself. So I combine 2019, 2020, give us a pretty even sample across the board. And what I'm looking for is guys who had a dramatic uh, increase or decrease in that barrel rate. For example, Miguel Sano, he had a 13% barrel rate increase from 18 to 19 slash 20. And he was second overall in barrel rate on fastballs. He pummels fastballs. That's that's an excellent thing to know. What I'm looking what I'm looking for also is guys who might who I might not necessarily know who um who did that. For example, Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader has done tremendously better against fastballs by hitting the ball harder, optimizing his launch angle. He does still have some plate approach issues. Um, probably doesn't swing enough. Doesn't hit breaking balls enough speeds like he does fastballs, but with the job locked down in St. Louis, he's a great target at the end of your drafts. So I would encourage you guys to kind of um, go into the barrel board, kind of mess around with the different filters, see how some of the targets you're looking at stack up. And you can also find some uh, some guys you may not even have thought of uh, in your draft prep. Fantastic, man. That's great stuff. I, Harrison Bader is someone I probably haven't been thinking about, I'll be honest. I think of him as a defensive guy more than anything, but now you got me thinking. and I'm going to do a little bit more research. Yeah, and then um, Crosby Spencer, the guy crafting our stats, he's saying that Bader is one of the guys who should, who has more um, expected homers and actual homers, and I think that's really backed up by that barrel rate increase. So I'm kind of excited to see how that bears out for a full year of, of Bader in center field. One of the Beautiful. Uh, 
one of the things with Bader that I was looking at, which actually kind of surprised me when we were looking over guys you were going to talk about, um, he's actually been above average, like well above average in both 18 and 20 in the, the, in the WOBA influence stat that I have, which um, you can find in the data monster. And it kind of is just a stat that shows you how they were able to increase the pitch locations and how they've put balls in play and the results that they were actually able to get. So Bader's kind of been actually a lot better on contact than I think people give him credit for. Um, but I think one of the big things for him mainly in this last year is that he's way too passive at the plate. Yep. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is that he had a 75th percentile expected in zone swing rate. So pretty much it means, you know, that it was a pit, a lot of the pitches he saw in the zone, he should have been swinging at, you know, most guys are swinging at those pitches. So he kind of gets himself in some bad counts and, um, he really wasn't, you know, swinging at a lot of those pitches. He was, he's more passive than your average hitter, 15th percentile, um, in zone influence rate, which means, you know, he's swinging at an insanely low rate compared to what he's expected to be doing. So I think he's kind of a guy that he makes a lot of contact or makes well, good contact when he does, but he's not really swinging enough to just take advantage of that. Right. He needs to make more contact. You would say, go go get those strikes more often. You know, for some guys, you, you, there are some guys where you'll see that they're, um, they whiff a lot, but that's fine. You've got to, if you're going to whiff a lot, you need to swing a lot to make up for it. So I think he's a guy that, you know, he can keep his same swing if he's just a little more aggressive and he might actually have some better results. Yeah. yeah a lot of the a lot of the passive people like Biggio and Muncie and, and guys like that, they usually don't have as good a contact rate. His in zone contact rate, I, I don't have it in front of me. Um like I think it's near ninety percent yeah. for his in zone contact. So why he swings like well below league average though at pitches in the zone. So yeah, if he's hunting fastballs, uh, you know, that's they're usually in the zone. So yeah, yeah he, he looks like someone who could easily be more aggressive and see no downside. Right. Yeah, I mean, with right. the the plate discipline skill uh, metric that I have, he's kind of he's kind of an average, um, which could mean that he's he's letting a lot of really good hittable pitches go. Um, I don't have in front of me what his you know fastball swing rate is, but he's probably hunting fastballs. But there's probably a chance that he could do even better with that because I I would imagine that pitchers are kind of not really being too worried about him and know that they can just kind of pump pitches past him. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the potential downfalls of Bader is that he's seeing, I think he's seeing a league average amount of fastballs or slightly above average. Yeah. So if he continues to only hit fastballs well, probably see a decrease in those fastballs and he doesn't do as well on those off, on those secondary pitches. So there is kind of, I would necessarily call it a trap door below him because he's so cheap, but that's something to be on the lookout for. Um, another guy, Brandon Lau, he swings and misses all the time. Like we we give Gary Sanchez crap for swinging and missing all the time, but Blaus dude does that as well. Um, the one upside with him is that well, besides his awesome barrel rate on fastballs, he only saw forty seven percent fastballs last year, and that is about eight percentage points below the league average. So there's not there's not much of a place below to go. If anything, he'll probably see more fastballs, and I'm expecting him to kind of capitalize on that and continue that power surge we saw last year. I actually looked into him once. Uh, I think that because a small sample size, I think the fastball thing was uh, not by design, but just it happened to be the pitchers he ran into. Um, so, and uh, yeah, he, that uh, I mentioned blast percentage earlier. I love looking at standard deviation of launch angle so you can measure back control. So if you look into things like just even barrel hard, you know, dynamic hard hit rate and compare it to standard deviation where it sees he's one of those guys that has good uh, back control. If you look at 2019 and 2020 combined, it, you see names like Trout up there. You see names like Tatis. Brandon Lowe Low is right up there. Lau. I, I can Lau. Lau. But, loud. yeah, he's he's, he's right up there. So, yeah, he may swing and miss a lot, but he 
when he connects, he finds a way to like, he's not hitting a ton of pop-ups. He's not hitting a ton of grounders, like at least directly into the ground, directly up. Like he's usually getting a lot of momentum behind the ball. So I don't know. I think he's sneaky. I, uh, I had 2019 as his best, which was kind of surprising to me um, in terms of what he did on contact. It was his best season compared to the, the three we have in his career. But um, one of the things I think Karm kind of mentioned it in his article is, and it's partially because of, you know, the low fastball rates is the expected whiff rate he saw was way higher than um, any other point in his career. But he actually did a little bit better comparatively to those pitches than he has in the past. So that could be a function of he made some more contact on um, non-fastballs. It could be just he was taking more pitches. But it's something to kind of watch out on that he he saw the most uh, – the, the pitches he would ex- be expected to whiff on the most, and he kind of did a little bit better than we would expect. So there could be some improvement coming in that whiff rate. I got to tell you, Matt, uh, sounds like a good candidate for one of your player threads maybe. What do you think? Oh, he's wow. on the list for He's on the list for sure. Definitely on the – well – yeah, well, how many how many have you officially done so far? Not as many this year. I think I've done twenty one, maybe twenty one. Okay. Well, you did one ring we about, so. uh, about Dylan Moore now and how we both uh, changed, <laughs> changed our minds on him. Oh uh, yeah, I put out my thread and I told them I told both these guys about it and then I get nothing but shit back. So I don't know if we're allowed to swear on our own podcast and other and I just saying just read it tomorrow. I, I'm and, and yeah, they both changed their mind. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I. They, so it was, and I, I ended up writing up about uh, more, and I think the second base uh, Data Monster Outliers thing. And I ended up liking him a little bit more than I expected to, but he was a guy who we kind of see the benefit of not swinging as much, I think, where he, he really heavily lowered his swing rate. And I think that kind of helped him in the sense that it might not look as good in you know a plate discipline metric and things like that, but there are guys who um, can kind of, take advantage of their own skill set and they know them. These guys know themselves better than a lot of other, um, than I think we do. So I think more might be a guy who he lowered his swing rate and actually started kind of hunting some more pitches that he knew he could hit. And I think it kind of actually really helped him out because overall he didn't really change that much underlyingly, but as you kind of pointed out, Matt, his high K rate is, is not really tied to swing and missing. It's tied to just how passive he is. And I think it's going to, I think it's here to stay, but mm-hmm. I think he's definitely doing a little bit better of a job of just like, you know, actually picking out pitches that he can hit more than uh, a lot of other guys can. Yeah, I think the strikeout rate sticks by design, like you said. So yep. if, if a strikeout's count in your league, I wouldn't expect him to go. I think the only – people project him about a 220 or 230, which I don't totally understand. If you look at his minor league track record, he actually is not a low average hitter. But he usually was at a 14 15% strikeout rate. So, I mean, if he's if he you know can't hang like he did in the minors, now he's hunting for pitches, the high strikeout rate's going to remain because he's waiting for his own pitch. The only way I see him getting better um, as far as uh, you know getting to where some analysts who really love him want him to be is he'd have to completely change like his two strike approach to c- cut down on those called strikes, like try to you know take some of those called third strikes and, and tick them to opposite field or something. Uh, I don't think he's going to do that. Yeah, It'll probably end up messing help. with him. Sign stealing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be good. But no, in all in all, I think he's fine. It's just continue what you're doing. Um, but yeah, he's going to probably live in the 240 to 250 range with a batting average. I don't think he's going to go any higher, but I don't think he's going to be much lower. All right, let's 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 do a first official bet on our podcast. <laughs> right. Dylan Moore batting average. Um, if I win, Matt, you have to buy me a pack of diapers. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> not for me, for uh future baby um and then you can decide what i owe you 
if uh, you win. Let's set let's set it at two thirty five. Two thirty five? Yeah, sure. Over. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Wow. Are you thir- the- I-, I can't believe you're being that generous. Two thirty five. Yeah. You want to go two forty? Let's give you, you, you literally gave me 235. I'll take the over. I was feeling, aggra- feeling aggressive. In the, in the most I mean, games he played in one stop, 122 games in 2017 at AA, he batted 207. I'm just trying to give the biggest context of sample size. And with the Mariners in 2019, in less games, smaller amount of plate appearances, 282 plate appearances, he batted 206. I'll stick with 235. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Take, the, I'll take the over. All I think right. I've, I mean, for the record, I don't I'm projected at 270. I think I've projected at 245. Oh, I know. Okay. I, know. I just <laughs> no, wanted you to agree. I Good All banter. the, uh, you know, the bad X, 229, uh, Steam yeah. 224, Zips 219 for Dylan Moore this season. So that's, I'm that's telling interesting. You. Yeah. Just send them now. Okay. Maybe he's doing yeah. five weeks. <laughs> five weeks. Woohoo. All right, man. <laughs> I got to tell you, Matt, I, every time again, I think of Dylan Moore. We've done so many pods that we were doing last summer and stuff. I remember when he came through and he started making progress. We were doing the morning relays and the daily pods, and you just kept harping on the fact that he couldn't hit any breaking balls last year. And I yep, remember you can't, that. You cannot do it. <laughs> right. Still can't. You still can't. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because I always harp on some people not being able to hit um, fat, uh, breaking balls. And that's the everyone wants to jump to the conclusion, okay, now they're only going to throw in breaking balls. Pitchers don't work that way. Pitchers throw you fastballs. Almost all pitchers throw you fastballs. Not everyone's Kenta Maeda. Uh, so he's still going to see a ton of fastballs. So we'll see. I mean, pitchers are going to adjust to this guy. We'll see how it goes. But I I am still out on him, as optimistic as it sounds like I may be. But I'm not I'm not avoiding him as much. If he falls, I can see it because there is a trap door below him. But I can see him easily returning 25-25 value, which where he's going is actually fantastic for yeah. second and outfield. Um, I still think he's going a little early for the downside he has, but for the upside he has, I think it's fine. And I people laughed at me on my podcast the other day. I was talking with the old Rotosaurus combo, Jake and Dave, and Dylan Moore. They love talking about him and... I still think there's concerns with a lot of the players that Seattle has. They still have a glut. People have written off Shed Long forever, like he's done forever. Uh, and they have they have J.P. Crawford. And then they Tate, have all these Ty outfielders. France. Yeah, Ty France. I love Ty France. Yeah, I know you bat, love Ty France. Bat, bat only. I don't like him anything beyond batting. But I don't know, man. If Dylan Moore struggles, I can see how they could switch gears and go with some other players. And all these outfield prospects that are going in the outfield – one of them might get shuffled down to the DH. I don't know. I'm just saying something to think about. I'm know. not going to like go out on a limb for Dylan Moore. One of the most important <laughs> things in the entire thread Why is not? essentially that Scott Service is obsessed with this guy and he's gone out of his way to say how much he likes him and he wants to give him an entire year and see what happens. And in their position where they have nowhere to go, they're not winning anything. They know it. I think that they're going to give shots to guys like Kalenic. He'll come up sooner or later, and they're going to move people around, but I think they genuinely want to see what Moore can do, even when he struggles. Like, they want him to adjust. He's 20, what, 28 years old. I think that they want to see if he can do this. So he's going to get a shot even through a struggle. They're not going to yank him early. They're going to let him ride this out. So that's, you know, whatever. If he sucks real bad, it's not good for your fantasy team. But he's going to be given an opportunity, I think. I think his his relative safety is probably tied to how good – Seeger is right. If Seeger can fetch them anything in return, um, then it opens up third base for him, probably France. Like all these guys should be getting run to see if they're actually valuable or or if they're at decent at all, right? Those are they between France, Chet Long, 
even JP Crawford, even though he's, you know, been around forever, all these guys, they need to see if any of them are part of the next decent Mariners team. So <laughs> Seager's probably the one guy that's the only thing that's got to play that's yeah. blocking it. Well, I think the best thing to happen to Moore is the fact that like Eddie Rosario's of the world signed with the Indians who aren't trying, and then Mazzara is going to uh, Tigers. They didn't and the Mets sign every like they, middle they of the road. Yeah, they, they didn't sign. They didn't. Seattle didn't sign anyone to clog up that DH spot, and that's where Ty France is currently slated. Um, so, not having that DH tied to a batter who can't field is is a good thing for anyone but especially well, it's, for it's, it's tied to ty france right now so no 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 i mean like it's not they don't have a nelson cruz where it's yeah. here's the no. dh spot is the nelson cruz spot you know yeah. unless you're afraid of jose marmalejos which you should <laughs> uh, but i actually kind of like him in deep 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 stuff but that's a who cares about that now we're getting off the tracks i want to well, say well, though for the record oh go ahead Carm. go ahead no you go ahead man please no you saw you really had something no man you go ahead no all right on, i'll man. go ahead Danny, he is this year's Danny Santana. He's being drafted the same spot. He's there's other options available. Oh, <laughs> that's the world's laziest comp. You know laziest why? comp. He's not a good defender either. But he is a great, has great plate discipline. Huge and difference. Danny Santana had excellent uh, exit velocity and barrel rate last no, year. No, but he has excellent plate. It's, I'm just saying, it's a different thing. Danny well, Santana well. was good by fluke. This guy actually is doing what he wants to do. It's a flawed approach, but he's doing exactly what he wants to do. Danny Santana closed his eyes and things happened. This guy had a plan and enacted <laughs> I don't think it. You can say that. I mean, his I, it's, I think it's pretty. I, I, well, yeah, I but he closed his eyes and he made barrel contact. <laughs> yes. But I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, it's he's very Dylan Moore is very flawed. But what he did, he attempted to do. He went into the offseason attempting to do exactly what he did, and he and he did it. So I, I got to give him credit for that. Where Santana. It was just w- witchcraft. <laughs> it was witchcraft. Oh. Sinatra. All right. Well, look. I, I'm glad we have the bet. That's all. <laughs> I just want. Yes, the bet is. In we stuff. have a we have one bet, and it's a guy batting over under two thirty five or. T- hey man, diapers or two thirty. What was it? What is it? Two thirty five. Two thirty five. That was the. When he bats two thirty six, and I get to cash in my bet. This is gonna be a fun day. Yeah. What does Matt get if you get diapers? What do Matt? Get? I forgot. You tell me. What's, how much? How much does a pack of diapers cost? Twenty bucks. Someone worked. Someone worked out the math. One diapers twenty eight twenty. So you can work out how much you want to. Uh, you know. Well, I will just put back. my prize at like you know cap the dollar amount yeah. or whatever the hell that costs. Yeah. Yeah, I want a new car. <laughs> you want a new car? All right, fine. By the way, I'm doing a, a I'm on the clock right now in a DC for Zach Waxman's ten thousand listener leagues he has, and <laughs> Ty France is at the top of my queue. I'm not kidding. I'm not what pick, kidding. What pick? What pick is it? Uh, we are currently in like the three hundred, three thirty. Yeah, three thirty. Ty France, three thirty. Anybody? Anyways, just want to let you know that's a true story. Uh, I wanted to mention one thing we haven't really mentioned yet, and it's one of our biggest creations. In fact, maybe the story of the RotoFanatic.com offseason: the Data Monster. Data Monster loves Dylan Moore, doesn't it, Paul? I mean, I wouldn't say loves. Um, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I did write. I did write. Let's, it up the other let's end. Let's not talk about Dylan. We Moore don't anymore. like everybody. We don't love Dylan Moore. We tolerate him. <laughs> so there's a difference. Yeah, I guess I'm we should say both, both of us went from no to eh. Yeah, eh? I went. I went from like okay, oh you know, <laughs> okay, whatever. Like, yeah. Do I have to? It's kind of a it's, it's a whatever. But you know, you know what? It's like now. it's like Malik Smith. Ah oh, shit! No. I didn't draft any no. stolen bases. No. I'm screwed. Do no. I really got to draft John Birdie here? 
Nothing. You know, you're trying mean? to warm yourself up to Alex Smith because he's on the Mets now. Is that what you're right? Doing? Your fourth, fifth outfielder. Uh, he's oh like god, the, he's like our ninth outfielder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love Carm's tweet about the uh, Frankensteining of Springer. <laughs> yeah, Malik Smith, uh, Albert Almora, Jose Peraza, Khalil Lee. Hey, it could oh, be wow. it could be worse. At least we don't have uh, Jake Marisnik on our team. Ouch! Can you <laughs> ever believe you. that the Cubs replaced you. him, replaced Almora with Marisnik? Well, you know, it's like, funny because like I didn't really love Almora. Obviously, what's the no, love? It's terrible. Uh, but like last year, we had Jake Marisnik. I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm glad he's gone. But we basically yeah, swapped the same guy. Right, <laughs> it's the same right. guy. I mean, they they did it the year before too with Ligaris, right? Ligaris is the exact same play. Oh. Yeah, I wish we would have just brought him back. At least I, you know, I like one. He's good when he's healthy, which you know is never. Okay, um, right, look, sounds like Drew Smiley. About- yeah. Oh no! Let's not do that again. <laughs> Although, is it who's it? Batflip crazy says Smiley for Cy Young this year. So, Paul, you have. Common people. He was in my. Uh, I think he was in my TGFBI league last year, and he took Smiley like a round or two before I was going to, and I was like, "Oh, all right, somebody else sees the same thing I have. That's also smart. Makes me feel good." He's but, with uh, you. Yes, he definitely knows his stuff. But let's talk Data Monster here. So yeah. on Rotofanatic.com, you can go in here and you could spend your whole day on the Data Monster. It's very cuddly and sweet, open-minded. Uh, it's got a lot to offer. It's not your typical under-the-bed monster. It's a statistical tool that's supposed to help you understand baseball players' prospects from a better point of view. Paul, what is the number one takeaway? If someone sat down and said, I've never used the data monster before, what's it going to do for me? I mean, I think it's going to help you kind of better understand why something changed. Um, so, you know, we've been kind of talking about a lot of these uh, a lot of these guys and, and when you see like uh, Brandon Lau or you look into someone's whiff rates, um, one of the things that I think is most interesting about it is you can kind of understand if you want to break it down into two components, right? Like where where a pitch is, we kind of know that a pitch down the middle versus a pitch up in the zone, if it's a fastball, you're going you're gonna to see more whiffs on that fastball up in the zone. So it kind of helps to quantify that part of it, but it also helps to explain to us, you know, what a, if, if a certain guy really has just electric stuff and you can see them kind of outperform that kind of thing or a hitter just has massive holes in his swing and he swings and misses through things. So it helps you kind of understand why a certain event is happening and why certain changes are taking place. So I think it's kind of interesting to look at the components of everything. So that's the the whiff side or the expected side of everything and then the the influence that a given player has over it. That's kind of, I think, the biggest thing to, to help you see why or how someone changed. Excellent. Okay, so the fact that it's not just... Uh repeating the past it's giving you some predictive changes that could be coming in the future that you could look forward to and maybe make player draft decisions based off of yeah i mean it definitely can help you understand um if a guy made a big change so like uh, i know know you had the i know you had uh dave on yesterday or whenever on your podcast and his big thing is police one of the things that you can see (laughs) with with zach police is that um he had a pretty big jump in the command metrics that i have and he had a pretty big jump in expected whiffs um, but what you also see is that he didn't really, um, he didn't outperform that expected whiff rate by very much, um, you know, maybe a half a percentage point or something, but he jumped into one of the higher parts of expected whiffs. So uh, Dave's big thing is that he made some real big pitch changes and, and that kind of stuff is kind of shown out through the numbers. So, you know, changing to throwing more off speed pitches, making some changes in that sense. That's part of why his whiff rate grew, uh, his expected whiff rate grew so much. So it's something that I think is pretty sticky for a guy like him because he made these constant changes, and as long as the stuff stays pretty much the same, he'll still be, you know, performing way better in whiffs than he has in the past. 
Beautiful. So you like Plesak this year then? That's basically what you're telling me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I think there's definitely there's definitely reason to think he will outperform his his projections. I mean, a lot of his projections are pretty bad, um, but I definitely think that he's the kind of guy that has made some pretty big steps. And I think while I don't I don't think command is as big of a part of things as people think it is, I think that he does have good enough stuff that he can kind of elevate beyond his. Um, he can elevate his elite command. Like there are guys that have elite command, but just everything is terrible. Like Trevor Williams, uh, no offense, Carm, is, uh, uh-huh. is not. Yeah, that, I was going to make that point, Paul. Thank yeah, you for doing that for me. He's not going to be a star because everything is just, his stuff just isn't very good. Uh, Plesek is at least like, you uh-huh. know, average to above average stuff. So if he's improved his command as much as he has, which is m- mostly pitch mix and some other things, then I think there's actually some value for him there. Data Monster, check it out. Take the time. Focus in. It's got hitting tools, pitching tools, prospect outcome tools as well. And we have the historical data that you can compare and contrast and make your own conclusions so that you can help yourself to a fantasy title in 2021. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice if all four of us could have a fantasy title to celebrate this year? Be excellent. Can take that. No complaints. So, so Paul, one of the key takeaways for me is that all else, you would pick a pitcher with better stuff over a guy with better command, right? 100%. Um, I mean, I think that stuff is – it's it's in, you watch pitchers and you kind of know, like guys that can get away with – we always say like they, they're able to get away with this pitch, they're able to get away with that pitch, where I think command guys have to be absolutely perfect, and then if they're not perfect, they can kind of run into some issues. So I think that for me, I'd rather have a guy um, – even though the numbers kind of think he's average in terms of command, like a guy like uh, Lucas Giolito, who's got just absolutely electric stuff and you, you can watch it, you can see it happening versus guys who are kind of uh, command heavy kind um, guys. Who uh, have, Hendricks? See, yes and no, because Hendricks I think is the kind of guy that we, and I think he's been talked about a lot. He, we don't understand why his stuff plays up, but it does. It's partially because of how he locates it, but, I think it's it's good stuff in a sense that we don't really understand how to quantify guys that throw slow like that. Like again, like- you know, it's, you know, it's funny if you actually look at his data for twenty twenty, uh, it's not what you'd expect. O swing, swinging strike rate, well above league average. Yeah. He like kind of pulled out from what people would expect. He wasn't like this boring guy in twenty twenty. He actually was dealing quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's just, really I mean, small point. sample, but yeah, I mean, he, he was started he was quite with that good. no hitter on opening night. <laughs> That was insane yeah, against the yeah. Brewers. I remember that. Yeah. That's what started Yelich's nightmare season. <laughs> yeah. So, Paul, you're base. You're a high ceiling over high floor guy. Uh when it comes to pitching, I mean, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I guess to an extent. Doesn't um, command separate the better? I mean, is there tons of great stuff out there? And what makes the elite pitchers the best ones are the ones that can make the command really come to form with the stuff. Like, so uh, actually, looking looking to that, that was something I've been kind of diving into. Um, a little bit and just trying to see some guys who made the largest like year over year command gains and what that that did. Um, and one of the guys that popped in the sample, both two guys that actually popped were, were Plesek and Bieber in the past year or so. So they both had pretty large jumps in command and the results kind of came with it. So I think that there's to an extent you're going to have these these guys where we can see it. We can see that they're really um, they, ha- they have pretty good stuff. And if they can make the command jumps, then that takes them to the elite level. Um, versus like guys who I think it's kind of a thing where it's a little bit easier to, in my opinion, change a pitch, pitch mix and kind of improve command a little bit where it's a lot harder to really improve stuff to an extent that 
will take you to that elite level where you can kind of overcome being really bad. Hmm. And the data monster can support all of this stuff. That's what's really cool about it, man. I, I think we have an undervalued tool and something that I want more people to know about. Let's keep spreading the word. Data monster, data monster at rotofanatic.com. We'll start a you know, song. Another guy who has big gains is uh, Savali. Just something there in Cleveland? Love Savali. I, I think it's definitely. I think that. Um, no, when you started talking and I just started looking up Savali. Yeah. I was like, it's just, I'm looking up every Cleveland pitcher. I'm like, is this something just not like Erie Water? I it's delicious. Definitely think that there's something to uh, organizational kind of things like that. And it might even be, um, if I have time to do it at some point, I might look at like catchers. So I think there might be an impact to catchers as well. And, and changing pitch mixes and how they call games and things oh, like that. Oh, hey! Nice before team. we before we skip out of the data monster, just because you 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 were talking about it, uh, you put out a tweet for us the other day, Paul, and I talked about it on my pod the other day. I, I mean, whatever. I play high stakes leagues. You think you want to keep some of this stuff to yourself, but you brought him up. So Seth Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk, talk. Now that Crush Davis has finally unclogged a hole in Oakland, this guy might play. Yeah. And I'm I'm super jazzed about it. Fun fact about Seth Brown, really, really quick. Uh, it was one of the few names in the draft that I could find that rhymes with down. So just want to let you know that. <laughs> what about Jeter Downs? It doesn't rhyme. Yeah, but it's Downs. Yeah, I get you right. Yeah, okay, that's cool. But he wasn't on a draft board because it wasn't – it was redraft. Anyway, sorry, I digress. I mean, Brown, if you look at his, his minor league numbers, they're – they're stupid, right? I mean, yeah, he's, like, why? Why? I don't understand. Why is he not? Why? Why is he buried? I mean, he's I think the anti villain like, more. Oh boy. Well, I think you kind of look at it, and if you look at the the data monster, and you look at his range of outcomes. Like, it, it's one of those guys. Obviously, this is all based off 2019 when he hit 37 homers and stuff like that, and like 10 steals, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, he actually ran like more than you'd expect from a guy like this. He's like 29 but, years old, guys. These, I know. Like, why? Why has he yeah. gotten a shot? It's crazy. The the big thing with these kinds of guys is that they're their fail rate is so high, right? Like I think uh, off the top of my head, it's like he had like a 30 or 40% chance of having literally no big league value, which is kind of what he's at right now. But there is a chance for some upside. You know, it's small, but these guys, there's so many of these quad A types. But I think uh, I'd, I'd have to take a guess that, uh, what is it, Jeff Zimmerman usually does his like Voight Muncie finder. I have to imagine that Seth Brown is on this list because the power <laughs> right. is insane. I mean, he... He doesn't walk that much. That's, I think, the big concern with him. Um, you know, something. Well, I mean, like in, in AAA, 297 with a 352 on base, 37 home runs, 101 runs, 104 RBIs, eight stolen bases. Let's we'll give mean, the they, guy a chance. I, he's going to get a chance, right? I mean, they yeah. don't really have him. Oh, yeah, no. Like, by the way, I'm not saying I expect him to see a superstar. His projections no. are like the two batting 218. Uh, but. Uh, he costs you yeah. nothing, literally. I mean, I know Vlad hates he when you say it costs, costs you nothing. nothing. It costs you something, but it costs you hardly anything. Yeah, and I mean, the powers, there's a chance for some real power there. I mean, Oakland is not a great place to hit and all that stuff, but yeah, it's I mean, not the BCL. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, but nowhere is BCL. But if you're going to let them, you know, play every day, these these guys could have, he's a guy that could hit you enough home runs and be relatively late to be a decent, you know, bench outfield utility type guy. I mean, when he came, he came up in the majors. There's nothing. I mean, he had like a 423 bat up in 2019. And he has not hit a home run, so you can't draw any conclusions from this. But he had like about 80 ish up bats, batted 275 on the whole, uh, with a 341 on base. He wasn't like overmatched, which is good to see. But he wasn't even himself. So again, you can't draw any conclusions. But I don't know. I'm a, a if you're in a DC or something, there's no reason not to take a shot on this guy. It's like a free lottery ticket. 
Yeah, is there uh, is there anyone going that late that is that kind of that's not a real prospect that is maybe like a Josh Jung or someone who's coming up from a ball or something that you're hoping makes a jump. Someone that actually has playing time that late in a draft. I don't think there's anyone that's like this intriguing. He's not like Mac Williamson. Um, Like this guy has like this guy has like crazy potential here. Yeah, I mean, it's I I had Mac Williamson shares, by the way. I'm I'm pretty (laughs) sure. one of the reasons that the the filter uh, is always never played in the majors is because I think Mac Williamson pops up pretty highly uh, from 2019. But uh, but yeah, I mean I think that's that's what you're seeing, right? That these guys exist in AAA all the time. These quad A types that they just mash AAA pitching and they can do nothing at the big league level. His K rate's not as bad as some of those guys, so I mean there's definitely a chance for it to happen. It's probably you know he's a what the the model has him as like a three or four ch- percent chance of being an elite fantasy player. That's that's higher than most of these quad A types for sure, but it's it's definitely not something that you're you're banking on to happen. Can I, can I just make a random really quick point here? Uh, in this draft, I was talking about Jonathan VR still on the board, and we're in the three thirties. Like, is that how far the value has gone down with him signing with the Mets? Yeah. His value is is near zero. He needs a yeah. he needs an injury. Or yeah, two. that's all everyone sees it. There's... I took him at pick two fifty last week in a best ball, and I'm regretting it. Yeah. Well, th- that's when you was that when you thought he was on Cincinnati. That that was like the day before. <laughs> he, oh, sorry. I, dude. He I went from like best case possible scenario to maybe worst case. It was it was a bummer yeah. for his fantasy value. But by the way, that uh that gives me a lot of I know I think we're going back to like two or three months ago. That gives me a lot more confidence that they're going to actually let Jose Garcia play every single day, because I have to imagine if the Reds offered him anything close to regular playing time he, he there's no way he turns that down right yeah shelly verestrade but the thing is that. i think i think like joe adele like i was on this last year i, I don't think if he he's not worth drafting in fantasy either way because i think he's gonna suck so bad and they'll probably end up sending him down i think it's a terrible <laughs> idea he was so well, that's the bet i smell another bet a jose garcia bet. i don't do i don't dislike jose man. garcia i mean the guy is just not ready i'm not saying i don't like him he's no you're he's, not saying you don't like joe adele either you're just saying he's not ready yeah yeah, right, you got the, Matt. You're paying for balls diapers too. <laughs> oh, Th- those are just expecting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just, it's a, it's a, it's a mistake. Incontinence is nothing to do. You with know what they, ball. they should do is they, who they get? They got, they acquired someone horrible in a trade. Who was it? No, they Red. just who? signed. They just signed D Gordon. Oh, oh yeah, D Strange. Oh, I thought strange. they got someone. I thought they got someone from the Phillies too. Whatever. There's someone oh, Powell, there. Powell. Yeah, there's someone Powell. that can start there from opening day. I say they probably put. Um, Kyle Farmer, yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> but they, they probably put Garcia. They probably put him in the minors for like, uh, you know, the first couple of months and just you know maybe see how he looks. And if he looks sharp, they bring him up. If not, which you know they they won't. I expect that to be the route, right? I mean, for a team that's penny looking to penny pinch, why start the clock? I don't. I still don't understand what what the Reds are doing whatsoever. It <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me because like they were. The, the way that their season went last year was the exact opposite of what you expected. Yes, they have a very good rotation. They had a really good rotation. But they had, like, a league-worst offense, which makes no sense looking at their players. Mm-hmm. Like, I know a lot of their guys were hurt and coming back from different things, but, like, if there was any team to to not look at their relatively failed season and go, like, all right, well, everything that we could have expected to go wrong went wrong, and, all right, we'll just blow it up and, and try over again. That doesn't make any sense <laughs> You know what yeah. the thing is? If they didn't do anything else, which it looks like they're still going to try to ditch Gray or or uh, or Suarez, if yeah. they did nothing else, they're still like arguably in the hunt for the division. No doubt. I mean, 
And it, it's, it's was bad last year. I don't think that's going to happen again. Castellanos yeah. was yeah. probably worse than he's. He ever was hot and terrible. Year. Yeah, like I. I Since I was always injured, Winker was awesome until something happened to him. I mean, Tucker Barnhart's great. You know, we have we have oh, him. Gosh. Tyler <laughs> Stevenson, baby. Uh, it's clearly a franchise that is stuck. And because the, they want to maybe trade people to cut salary, but like there must be mixed messages coming down from the top. I swear, you that know, makes a lot of sense. It's weird. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense that there's no sense to be made. That's like, what yeah. I well, the, the second they they the second they were serious about trading Castillo, you knew that there's they had no interest in winning this year. Yeah, right. And they're not going to pull a Darvish and just dump somebody like that and not get anything in return. So no, 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 no. Well, yeah. Sonny Gray hasn't been traded yet. Yeah. Hey. Hey, I'm on. Let's get TJ Antone of the rotation, please. That would be yes, nice. oh, that'd be great. Um, if you try of, really hard, you can make TJ Antone round rhyme with uh, down round. Yeah, oh. just like I did with Brown. Okay. Antone, <laughs> Antone. You got to do it like that. So, just want you to know that. Um, is this what you think when you're going through drafts? Uh, you know, when I'm writing these dumb songs and I'm drafting, yeah, I'm always looking for a name and a you know a concept. So if you got any ideas, Paul, email me. All right, podcast protonmail.com. I will send you an email. Um, I don't comment on Seth Brown. He reminds me of the guy from Moneyball that was like, he was not very good, but then he got called up and he was like sort of good. Scott Hadbert? Maybe Scott. I don't know. Or he was is like, it the, or is Chris it the Pratt? Guy that, the guy that they, yeah, Chris Pratt. The guy Short that they drafted. Yeah, the Jeremy yeah. Brown. Yeah, that's it. Jeremy Jobby. That's why. Brown? No, no, Brown. Jeremy Brown. He was a. Jeremy Brown. That's it. They, they, the, the movie and book like made this. Uh, really focused on this like fat catcher that they took. <laughs> yes. that, uh-huh. Like, like that William Testadio, basically. He hit a home run and like tripped La around Tortuga? first base. Do you, remember, do you know what I'm talking about, Carmen? He like yeah, tripped around yeah, first he base, didn't, didn't know he hit a home run and was just like standing on first base. Yeah, it, that's it, right. It, it, I think it, we're all better off not knowing this. Who cares? Thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> but I'm glad you guys had a moment there. Can we finally talk about the Benintendi trade? So Andrew Benintendi is in Kansas City. It's going to be July dead of summer he's gonna be sweating his ass off when it's like 101 degrees in the middle of the country but maybe it's gonna be a new day for him a new dawn a new day is dawn for andrew benintendi as frenchy cordero is in boston now and of course matt's excited because khalil lee is a new york met uh, quick comment on khalil lee matt thank you for the free player <laughs> i we traded steven yeah, matz to toronto for three prospects we flipped one of them for khalil lee who stole 60 bases and had like a 360 on base in triple A or double A. I mean, it's just going to, he's going to the minors for us, but he's a center fielder, which we need who's, who's speedy and gets on base. Yeah. We'll take a shot. It's free. Thank you. Okay. Great. Well, look, Andrew Benintendi, everybody says he needs a fresh start, but one of the things about this too, is the fact that, you know, platoonfest.com, you know, for Frenchy Cordero, if Jackie Bradley gets signed again by the Red Sox, which there is uh, you know, some buzz about that happening again, you know, that's going to limit the opportunities. We wanted to focus a bit on what this trade presents now and the trend that Carm is really pushing. And also, shout out to Davey Lou about these platoon issues. Carm, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, everywhere you look now, guys are signing on the cheap. We, um, I would say the main team doing that right now is the Tigers with the Mazzara signing today. But, you know, I mean, <sighs> what it, are they doing? It's just, it's causing absolute havoc in the fantasy community. Hi, hi. I I feel like overall I'm more likely to target teams that have just set roles with no depth, like the Astros. Like one through eight, you know who's going out there every single day. You don't have to worry about it. Guys on these 
I'm not targeting Miles Straw. Sorry. <laughs> That's why you said uh, one through eight, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. But like the the Rangers, the Tigers. Um, I mean, hold on. Are you the, trying to say the Rangers won't have uh, platoons? You are very wrong. No, I'm saying, saying they. No, no, I'm saying the will. Tigers. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I, no, I, I was just trying to list off all the teams that have awful platoon scenarios. Are you intentionally avoiding my favorite team, the San Francisco Giants? Well, yeah, I, we just don't want to go down. Oh, yeah, that their case number one in the national league I mean, sure. they hell and they messed up their entire team by signing one player tommy <laughs> listell and they were like fine and then they signed listell it's like oh everyone's screwed yeah not like a jake mcgee he's the new closer I don't, right i don't know what they're doing they yeah they've uh they've taken an interesting approach i think they've taken like a again it's one guy that's kind of ruining everything i think they really hoped that they were going to get the dh because that would just solve their outfield problem but now they have to not play dickerson or slater or one of these guys that's actually probably has a chance of being a, an average player. Now, by the way, take a guess. A quick point on that: Are we confident now? Because they came to their agreement. There's not going to be like some eleventh hour change again where DH will show up this year. This oh, is I bet it will. Be. Oh, oh, I bet do. it will. Hey, they added expanded playoffs two hours before oh, the season started look, last year. Oh, I know that. You don't have to, <laughs> dude. I've been saying that every time we don't think they're going to do something. That always is the reference I go to. But I thought this was like concrete, like. This is our I, deal for 2021. No, it's. I, I shouldn't say I'm not. I'm not confident, but I, there's no reason it can't happen. Just so as they last could year. renegotiate. That, oh yeah, there's no reason they. Know. Oh, legally and everything. Yeah, this is not something that can't happen. Um, I would say they've gone out of their way to set schedules and everything. So it's. I mean, I'd. I'd say it's looking bleak, but there's no reason. There was no reason okay. it can't. So it's technically possible that a DH could happen this year. Just possibly. <sighs> yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, possible. All right, cool. Definitely that, possible. That, I think I you must draft you without it. You got to draft thinking there's not it. Because I would say 70 30, there's not. Maybe, okay. you know. So, how do yeah. we draft with these damn platoons, Carm? Uh, you know, listeners are looking for help here. How can we help them? How can we make. Is, is there anything else beyond what you just said saying, hey, I'm going to focus on, like, you know, like in football, I'm going to draft all Chiefs and just focus on that offense? Or people say, hey, I'm going to draft the entire Dodgers rotation because odds are most of them will be pretty good. What I, what I would say is one, look at the skills. If they brought it, if a certain team brought in a ton of guys like a Nomar Mazzara, who has a quote unquote upside, maybe, but he hasn't demonstrated that skill in quite a long time, I wouldn't bank on that skill showing up. So I would say bet on the skills, identify the guys in the data monster you really like, look at our other tools, go on fan graphs, go on Savant, figure out who truly has displayed skills that warrant a starting spot. If you can't find any on that team, stay the heck away from them because it's not it's not worth your time. I mean, I think- uh, dra- draft the lefty. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely. <laughs> no, definitely. people make that mistake where they look at platoon players and they draft the right-hander. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it's it's a tiny thing, but right, if you're in a totally. deep league, draft the lefty. I mean, one of the things uh, I think I think I've seen Brad Johnson do it a few times where he'll always break down divisions and like, I mean. If you know, we know about platoons, we know they're going to exist, we know they're going to happen. But if they're in a division where there's, you know, one left-handed pitcher, that that's not going to be as heavy as a platoon as you need to worry about, like, one where I think it was the the NL West for a while had a bunch of lefties. Or, yeah, yeah it's probably right. the NL West. Um, you know, when Ryu was pitching for the Dodgers, there were multiple lefties on each team. Like, that's a, that's one where you yeah, have to be a little more concerned. But mm-hmm. I, think, uh, I think with 
when you're getting into like some of the deeper leagues, especially if you're doing like a, a DC draft and NFBC or something like that, where there is, you know, Friday swap, you can kind of take advantage of some of these guys falling and you can get a half, like a, a decent player if you have enough depth to kind of make up for it. Like, let's say Jock, I mean, Jock Peterson's probably going to play every day now, but the, the Cubs have a couple interesting ones now with Marisnik. Like, if you get one of those guys that might be platoon, there's actually might be some value in them just because of a Monday for a Friday swap where you only have to worry about the next three A's. You're not worrying about seven days. Of a while. Uh, yeah. Yep. If you're in a deep league, I did, um, Wilmer Flores just got screwed by Tommy Listella. Um, draft him. There's lefties lined up. He's playing in all of those games. Every <laughs> single one of them. Wilmer Flores against the lefty used to be my, do you remember? Uh, when? Uh, here we go. Uh, how many times we got to hear this story? No, I probably say it all the time, but, Remember when John Mayberry was batting fourth for them, Matt? Against Lefties? Yeah, I do. That was a that was a great lefty uh, DFS lineup. Jesus, you you got this giant fixation, man. It comes up on the show all the time. I like it though. I, I think it's unique. It kind of defines Paul in a unique way. <laughs> I, well, I, I have go, no yeah. idea why, but I do. Yeah, it it just maybe they have a lot in common with you, and one day you'll be hired by the Giants to work for their personnel department. Who's to say? Who is to say? I see the future now. Let's go back real quick to the Benintendi trade. I want to give a shout-out to Crosby Spencer. He's our Park Factors guy. He's a, uh, a guy who does a lot of the things for us that are going to be revealed soon. Stay tuned. But make sure you follow Crosby on Twitter and stuff. I think he's very underrated. Very glad that Matt was so wise to have discovered him last year and bring him aboard. Genius move, Matt, because Crosby is probably doing some of the best park factors around. And when Nolan Arenado got traded, I know that I referenced our park factors, and it, it was really relevant. I think the Bush Stadium was a real negative for him, especially as the right-handed hitter, and I learned that from our park factors. And now the Ben attendees in KC, how do we see that from a park factor angle? Because I'm, I've talked about this on my show, and I bring it up to guests, and they're like, well, I'm not really a park factor guy. I'm like, well, you can like look at a chart, right? Or you could read... <laughs> And decipher what it tells you and say, well, that could be a negative for this player, right? Well, let me, I'm going to say something real short because I don't like him, but I'm going to keep it brief. And I know Paul does. Um, he used to be really, he came up in his rookie season, did really well, took a next step in his rookie year. Then he completely changed who he was. He started homer hunting, launch, creates his launch angle. And that's not who he is. This guy needs to be a line drive hitter. That's the kind of hitter he needs to be. And he, he completely went away from that. He tried going back to like his college swing or his high school swing. That didn't work at all. And he's just, the kind of hitter he is now, this is a disaster going to Kansas City because if he was the hitter he was, was because he still has the talent, this would be a great place for him to be. But if he's going to still continue to homer hunt, this is a brutal landing spot. He hasn't shown that he is drifting back towards there. Everyone's bearing him for 2020. Who cares? It's so few games. But in 2019, he was just continuing to crater down. Um, from the player he used to be. So my main problem is not that I don't think he can be good. It's that for some reason he's gotten in his own head and changed his entire approach from what made him good to begin with. So if he goes, if he makes adjustments, I think this could be a great field for him. But if he doesn't, it's like almost a worst case scenario. I mean, I think that it's it's not the same extreme as Chris Bryant, but last year was the first year where he was a below average hitter by you know WRC plus things like that. Brian is kind of the same thing where he was a you know, 20 to 30% better than the average hitter. Um, Benintendi wasn't quite that that high two years ago, but I think that we've kind of overreacted to what was a disappointing real in reality. What I think it was, was we overdrafted him in 19 and then we moved him back last year. He was even worse. And now we're moving him back way too far. I think that he is, you know, especially 
what you're look what you're getting from him is just a you're getting a slightly above average hitter ideally again i mean i think that he has the talent still to do that um that park will be good like you said matt if he go, does go back to being the line drive style of hitter which might you know kill a little bit of his fantasy value but the the one benefit for him is that the royals seem to kind of let their guys do whatever they want on the bases so it might help him gain get a few more steals uh come up with a few more things there so it might kind of maybe not for points that. leagues though paul like you know yeah. it could be good for triples and extra base hits in yeah. Kauffman Stadium. I, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that the the gaps are going to be pretty big for him there. He might lose a few balls going the other way off uh, off the monster. They might turn into some outs, but I think overall it's not going to make a huge difference for him, the park change. By the way, according to Crosby, real quick, uh, yeah, real quick uh, <laughs> Kauffman Stadium is a really tough place to hit home runs. It uh, yeah. ranks both sides of the plate, lefties and righties, bottom three, both sides for homers. Go ahead. I had Crosby run it, run him through if he were on KC. He said that his uh, batting average on contact would drop six percentage points and he would hit three less singles. So it's pretty much the same park, it seems like, <laughs> overall. So there's not much to react to. I think, but to Paul's point, I, the greatest flaw in fantasy and in marriage is expectation versus observation. We all expected Benintendi to be like a top 20 player two years ago, and then he's not good. So now we're just saying, oh, he's going to crater. But now, as to Paul's point, he's probably not. He's probably going too late. That's our that's our expectation that he's not good anymore. But there is a chance that he could be. Okay. Well, that's all I need to hear. I just want everybody to know that Road Fanatic has your park factors covered. What about Franchi, real quick, in uh, Fenway? Uh, forget well, for the moment that if Bradley signs and things get more clouded, now we got more platoon talk. They just signed Marwin Gonzalez for the record. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which might hurt it more as well. Because that probably puts what uh, him and Hernandez and Gonzalez in a. Well, Renfro, will, Renfro would platoon, right? He'll hit against oh lefties. Yes. Um, well, right now, Hunter Renfro is their starting right fielder or left or whatever. Starting I think out. right field, and then Franchi would be in left with Verdugo in center. Yeah, so right. Renfro and uh, – I don't think they have a left-handed partner for um, Renfro. Isn't Marwin a switch? Yeah. Mm. I, I don't think he's starting over. Can Kike play in, in the corner? Oh, yeah. Don't forget what about Kike. Yep. Again, a mess to avoid. Yeah. I mean, Unless, is... A target Verdugo. <laughs> Yeah, pretty so, much. So, no, yeah, it's Verdugo. Although I do like Renfro for late power. The way his ADP is right now, I'm willing to take a, a flyer on that one. But Franchi then? Yeah. Do people, anybody here, pro Franchi, power speed, can't hit for average, but hey, he give me 20-20. Is that correct? I used to think that. What I have to, to pay that. for him? No. Yeah, I don't want him or Ben Intendi, uh, but I think I'd rather have Ben Intendi. I think it depends on where the ADP takes him. There are people that seem to be super excited about it, but I I think that there's a path for Benintendi to be good. Where I don't think Cordero, I think is what he is. It only think, takes one guy to to in any draft to pop a yeah. guy earlier than they should, and I think yeah. has enough. They both uh, do. Uh, yeah. I I think more to an extent. Like I think especially now that he's going to have pretty regular playing time. Franchi is uh, there's enough supporters of him that he's going to go significantly earlier than I'm ever willing to take him. Mm-hmm. Franchi. Yeah. Uh, one other thing here about the hold on. Relieving. I feel like we're making bets all the time. I need to make someone with a bet. You guys like Ben Intendi. We need to make a bet here. I don't really like him. All right, give me a give me well. A, the main thing because I I, I talked about him homer hunting 
just the whole thing with the plate discipline, it's just so weird because in the earlier his career, it's such great plate discipline. And then all, all that kind of went away, and it's actually his metrics were still good, and they were still actually like a little better in league average, but they're way worse than his numbers that he first came up. Yeah. And he started just being super aggressive. I think I did a thread on him last year, I remember, because I described it to like when you go up to pick up a soda can, and if you expect it to be empty and it's full, you pick it up and you almost dip it, you know, drop it, you know, almost tips over because you were expecting to pick it up real quick. And if you think the opposite, then you could, you know, you think it's going to be um, full and it's empty, you can throw it across. And that's how I described his swing where, you know, if someone threw him a changeup, he was expecting a fastball, he'll be off, you know, he'll be completely off balance and it just kind of ruined him. And he just, he just hasn't gone back. He doesn't, he didn't, he's been doing it for like two entire years. You'd think he would have caught on by now. Well, I mean, last year was a nothing year. No, I know. But I mean, as far as, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, there's nothing you do. I mean, plate discipline is something that you can at least see approach-wise. So, yeah, I don't read much into 2020. It's just... Benintendi, 254 average or better this year? I'll take better. Better. Over. Yeah, 254 is pretty bad. Uh, yeah, probably over. Okay. What's Because uh, we're talking about on... Uh, we're talking about, like, expectations of what... You know, like, what, what, what are people hoping... Obviously, the you know Red Sox weren't hoping for much because they pretty much gave away. No offense to Franchi Cordero. Oh. I mean, can he get back to what I'd be surprised with, like 15, 20 home runs and like ten to fifteen steals? No, I don't think it's no. what it's what we were. I, you know, people in the past thought he was what like a had a chance of being like a 30 20 guy that's what we were taking him as two years ago right? yeah no i know i was just wondering a, like uh if yeah, for someone like if you're gonna guy. if you're gonna be um if you're gonna be enthusiastic on him like what's what's the hope if he gets everyday bats in kansas city which that's what's gonna happen like what are you what are you hoping for him i have him down at 260 with uh 14 homers yeah i mean nine stolen bases two i think if, over. if you think he's you know, if, if you like him better, you're you're in more of the 270, 275, 20 homers, 10 to 15 steals range. Yeah. A little more. All right. No, all right. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Um, well, never mind. This, fucking Mazzara screwed this. Let's just pretend Omar Mazzara doesn't exist. Like, does that put him any. He's Victor Reyes then. I, mean, oh, I love Victor Reyes if he had a. No, no, I like Victor. I'm just saying, like, a. Uh, if if uh, you're expecting that from Benintendi, if before Mazzara, you take Victor Reyes instead, right? I don't 100%. think Victor Reyes has the same power, personally. No, well, he's, I he mean, steal 35, though. Yeah, no, I mean, but like overall value, I'm, I'm trying to think of a power speed guy in that range. Uh, yeah. There's not that many people that, you know, I don't know if I, anyone can come up with a better example than that. Yeah, they don't no, push I mean, the I think, ball. I think reasonably in the, the right range, but I, I mean, I don't think that's a, a bad outcome for him, and I don't think he's being... I, I think the the thought is that he's worse than that. I guess is what I'm getting at. Because um, he was going to 250, pick 250. I think his min is 200 before the trade. I imagine it drifts up uh, into the 175 um, min around there uh, by the time drafts comes, and I I can't imagine he can deliver on that. That's that's kind of what I'm saying. But it actually sounds like I don't disagree with you guys as much as I thought I did because I thought from reading Twitter yesterday, everyone's like, "Oh, this is it. Change of scenery. Benintendi's back." I mean, again, if he does, he's not the same guy that he came up, like you said. But if if he gets back to that, I mean, then yeah, he's if if he just needs to change the scenery to to kind of reset and get back to being that guy, then yeah, that's awesome. And he's still only twenty six, man. Yeah, still only twenty six. Yeah. yeah. No, Mazara is only twenty five. 
Yeah, no one's there. Shirts and profiles are like 28. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be it's saying not... that I'm gonna be saying that thing about Mazara until he's finally 30, because we're all gonna be dead by then by the time Mazara finally retires. I uh, uh <laughs> it, Mazara made me think about this, but I saw a tweet the other day reporting from one of the winter leagues that says Ronald Guzman's been the best player playing baseball in the past month or something like that. Hey, well, watch out. Oh God. Greg Bird. Greg Bird's back. Let's talk about more players that are that are terrible. Oh my God. All right. Let's get out of here. Let's end the show. Because now that we're just talking is there anything else you want to cover real quick, Carm? Yeah, the there's one thing I want to say. Um I go down the rabbit hole, find guys who are going to play every day. Case in point Adam Eaton, everyday right fielder for the beloved Chicago White Sox. Matt loves him. I love him. He's going to get everyday PA. Whoa, 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 whoa. I have always loved Adam Eaton, so I want to be right front and center with everybody, okay? All right, hold on. Hold on. I, Carm heard me talk about him recently, so I'm going to talk about him for one second. Every you, Why does he not get drafted if everyone loves him? He is the no, everyday two-hole hitter for the White Sox. I know. And his 80, but no, I'm just saying there's some players, because we were just talking about, will Ben and Tenny move up? There's certain players where everyone's like, oh, we love him, but their ADP never goes anywhere. Like, you know, I, I mean, like Mark Canna, you're going to get him at the end of the draft forever because no one's ever actually going to drag him. There's certain right players that everyone likes, but no one refuses. But Adam Eaton is someone who absolutely should be going earlier. He yes. is not. I mean, he's batting two for the White Sox. If yes. Adam Engel was, I'd want him too. Just I the wouldn't. lineup position enough. He, he should be, I mean, Eaton's better than Engel, but just batting second for the White Sox, is, has, he should be being drafted 100 picks earlier because of that. Look, all you got to do is go to my home league and just add, take a poll about, hey, does Govier like Eaton? I've been winning titles off of him in that league for the last five years. No bullshit. I'm dead serious. So I just want to make it clear. I agree with you. He what you're saying, the premise makes sense. Year, right? More people should. Yes, he wasn't Same great way. last year, but that's okay. Okay. He gets on base. He's got an excellent plate discipline. No, but right here we're not even saying like draft him at one. I mean, where he's going, I don't have the ADP in front of me. He's going this literally undrafted in 12 team leagues. He's not even. I just drafted. told you I'm in that draft. We're at the 330 mark, and he's still on the board. Yeah, I mean, crazy. In, in 12 team leagues, his 10 homers or whatever he's going to give you is a pretty big drag. Hmm. I but hey, uh, score, how about his 95 runs, runs, dude? Yeah. Yeah. Not, yes. He's in that super lineup. Carmen, it's an excellent point. And yeah. he in that field, he might hit some more pop. He can, oh, he can pull here the we ball. go. There's a great, a great example of why you should never take Andrew Benintendi because you can get Adam Eaton 900 picks later. That's that's it. I think that's the perfect way to sum that whole section up. Great point. Great. Hey, by the way, uh, while we're all feeling old with Nomar Mazera, uh, he, he just turned. You know, he's just 25. In 2011, he signed with the Rangers for $5 million. Today, ten, <laughs> today, 10 years later, he signed for $1.75 million for one year. Dude, this system is so messed up. God, can't wait for this labor strike at <laughs> the end of this season. But I will tell you this, man. Adam Eaton, such a great call, Carm. I'm so glad you said that. You're welcome. I love it. God, he's only 32. He's not done. He's in is the this the Adam Eaton podcast now? It should be. It should be at the very least. You're right. He signed for one year, seven million. That's going to be a bargain. They're going to love that deal. I can't believe that I have to dislike Adam Eaton because I've been with you guys for years, but I just uh, you're out now. I think I'm done. (laughs) You're done. How can you be out on a guy going so late? Yeah, well, I yeah. Mean, yeah he's going you can late. draft him as your seventh outfielder <laughs> right now. It's like there's nothing to hate. I mean, yeah. I will probably end up with a decent amount of him, seeing as the last draft I did, I kind of just decided not to take an outfielder forever. 
So I will probably end up needing guys like him late in drafts. Injuries turn people off. You know how it is. And he's not always injured, but he's had injuries consecutively enough where people got freaked out over the years of like 2017, 2018. I think he's he's another guy that gets hurt by the fact that he was traded for like so much and everyone's like, yes, why why was he traded for all of these great Again, it's these myths that are stuck in people's brains. Yeah. Yes. That's a good point, Paul. That was what? It was Giolito. Giolito, Lopez, wasn't it? It was everybody, like that whole massive oh, hall. Right. Yeah. There was another guy in that, right? Who am I missing? Yeah, there's somebody I can't think of. There's a third, like, decent pitching prospect that either didn't pan out or. Yeah, I can't remember. They got this thing called Google. I'm sure they know what. That's too far. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, Adam Eaton's good. Everybody agrees now. And now, this after this pod, people are going to be blowing up a spot saying, hey, you know, I'm on in on Adam Eaton now. So. You know who else is good? Brandon Bell. I'm just trying to see how quickly, all right. how quickly I can. I can't make- wait for the uh, for the Giants to sign CJ Crone just to like freak you out. <laughs> I mean, Lestella's going to start over Belt anyway. Which, hey, by the way, hold on, just a random oh, like uh, we have no idea where he's going. Bingo, where's Crone going? He's screwing somebody's fantasy value. Uh, uh, I mean, what? Game- the, the, I thought he'd be going to the Rockies, but they just signed some other stiff to ruin fantasy value. Who was it? Greg Bird. Uh, Dane Dunning. Greg Greg, Greg Dane Bird. Bird. Dane Dunning was in that trade, by the way, guys. Oh, no, thought it was Dane. Dane Dunning was in that trade. Wow. Gilito Lopez and Dane Dunning for Eaton. Dane Dunning That's how good Eaton is. <laughs> God, how good could the Washington Nationals be right now? If because their rotation's falling apart, can you imagine these guys just whipped out Gilito Dunning? But they won a World Series. It's worth it. That's all that matters. They won a World Series. Yeah, they should. All right, um, right. CJ Crone. Let's yeah. let's quickly. He's going to that. Philadelphia when Hoskins comes out and says he's not ready for the start of the season. But who was it who said on Twitter something that the Tigers medical staff knows best on this guy? That's why they would have the inside track on wanting to side him, and they passed on him. So I don't know if I'd be interested. Who did they that? sign recently besides Mazzara? They signed someone else. Renato Nunez. Nunez yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that was a pretty yeah, good deal. They, they, but that's they what I'm saying, though, Matt. Well, they, they may have signed. They may have passed on him because he may be asking for a little more. Some some players have smartened up and just I don't know, I don't want to say smartened up that's not the right thing. Some players have settled and be like, all right, I don't want to be left out in the cold. I'm taking the contract that's in front of me. And I think there's some players that are still holding out for a little more than they're likely to get. And Chrome may be one of them because he's probably getting because of the injury getting incredibly low balled. Yeah. Um, and he probably is going to end up having to accept that fact, taking you know some kind of incentive laden one year deal with someone. So I wouldn't necessarily say because we'll see. Because I'm willing to bet that. You know, it's a we'll fair see. point. It's a fair point. He's gonna but go I still to say they know best. Go to Baltimore, CJ. Go to Baltimore. He's going to the. He's going to Pittsburgh, and then Moran and Cabrera Hayes are gonna platoon back a third, and everyone's gonna be so mad. Uh <laughs> let's let's yeah. go with Boston, and he's just gonna ruin any Bobby Dahlback three thousand strikeout. Michael Chavis. Oh, yeah, what about the Michael Brewers? The Brewers. That'll be perfect. Can't, can't, well, back, well uh, if they're putting shoes, shoes, shoes. gonna be at first. No, all these guys will play first. Yeah, I Chew. Know. I love Chew. I hope he comes back. That 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 was MLB trade rumors, who we kind of trust. They yeah. said Chew it, sniffing yeah. Chew at first base for the Brewers. I was like, yeah. what? I know. What about uh, you think Corona is one of the guys? There's probably been a few of them that that took a bet that they were going to have an NLDH this year and bet wrong. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. There's 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 not many chairs left. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and, that's yeah. The... He could have bet. He could have bet wrong. Diamondbacks don't do much. What are they? Christian Walker you know, is pretty good at first. Muddy you know, up their waters. <laughs> you know who should sign him? I'm dead serious. The uh, Yankees should sign him because between Judge Stanton and uh, Voight's Boy. foot, um, they're going to have at bats available. 
Can he play shortstop? Because that's kind of. <laughs> see, I'd love to see Crow play shortstop. <laughs> that would be awesome. better than us. I know that. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. You let's know what's funny? You, you you think of these guys as these big lumbering idiots when they're like world class athletes who probably right. could very well play shortstop, but just not at the major league level. Yeah, right, and right. they always Wouldn't people making of fun of like the bad player in the NBA. We're like, you know, this guy could probably like, you know, if you played him one on one, he'd beat you five hundred to zero. <laughs> Yeah, he would just keep you at arm's length, no doubt about can, uh, it. Can any of us beat Albert Pujols in a sprint? Yes, 100%. Honestly, uh, Carm, you probably can. I don't have faith in myself. I don't think we're in the best I, shape. I went to stay in high school. I got this. Uh, be oh, okay. All right, cool. Well, I was going to say, maybe one. you or Davey Lou seem like the one out of four. guys. What did you one say? Out of, one out of four in a race? No, I'm saying out of us can beat Pujols in a race. Oh, I thought you meant you're going to challenge him to one out of best of four. No. I'm like one. I don't <laughs> get best of. Let's race, Paul. Uh, All right. Well, that's been the Roto Fanatic podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. We're trying to share and spread the word on RotoFanatic.com. Check out our data monster. Check out our park factors. Check out Carms fastball barrel board. Our rankings, which we kind of update weekly with the high low series. Next week will be third base. So stay tuned for that. We're going to be doing maybe maybe a little Chris Bryant high-low. little teaser there. Oh, boy. Stay tuned. Of course, rotofanatic.com is where you'll find all of that information. Carm, uh, you want to share where people can find you on Twitter so they can ask you questions and annoy you about platoons? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Carm's Clubhouse. Ask me all the questions you want about Adam Eaton, please. <laughs> Paul? You can uh, find me on Twitter at P Mamino Fantasy. Um, hopefully, I'm gonna have some stuff coming out, uh, some more stuff with, you know, breaking down some pictures and things like that. So uh, check it out on Twitter. Next, <laughs> next. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. DMs are always open if you want to talk baseball. Always happy to talk baseball. Can't wait. It's finally here. One one week. What are we? We're like with what ten days? What is it? We're we're closing in. Yeah, next week. Players are quarantining. Supposedly. Oh yeah! Didn't they say that? Yeah, uh, they put out the safety protocols. Everyone's got to quarantine for five days or something. And it was like with uh, people were already reporting within five days. Classic. I, uh, I saw Tomorrow, pitchers today. and catchers report, right? Hey, by the way, according to Bob Nightingale, there will be a DH. <laughs> that's good. No, no, no! I'm not even making that up. He literally know, tweeted I know, that. I know, yeah. oh, okay, I know, but that's still good. That's still good. Well, that's Nightingale. that's bad news for the DH. And his, Nightingale, his... I love that Nightingale just decided to turn on everyone and just join the masses by turning on himself and making <laughs> himself a big joke. He joined the joke, which is cool. I give him credit for that. You know, that's what he did, didn't he? Pretty much. We, we don't we're, 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 yeah, I mean, I honestly, if I had to put my money, I'd say he's just he's not in on it. But oh. it, I, it's it's getting hard. I don't get it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hey. Thanks for tuning in to the show. RotoFanatic.com. Be there. I'm MJ Govier on Twitter. Check us out. Plausible Podcast. Turn 2 Podcast. Part of the Fanatic Podcast Network. We appreciate your time. We'll catch you guys next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.